Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged, some episode in December or January. I'm Tammy. And I'm Michelle. And we were just sitting here chatting and our guest, Katie O'Malley, um, jumped on and we got to say hello to her and decided that we were just going to learn about her together with you. So welcome, Katie. Hello. It's um, it's so lovely to be here, Tammy and Michelle. And as soon as I hopped on, I did. I felt I felt a big a big hug. So I hope um, that that your your audience and listeners feels feels that way um, through this conversation too. It's interesting how you feel like you know somebody already from their communication tech, you know, style. So Michelle and I were saying this morning, we're like, oh, she seems so nice because like she put a smiley face in her email and. She wanted to know how she should look and it was it okay to just be like comfy and so we knew immediately that you were awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I try to to remain professional in in communications over email but also wanting to give people a sense of of warmth and and kindness and authenticity which can be hard to balance I think especially uh-huh. as a woman um the amount of either exclamation or smiley faces or the things that that we're most curious about adding those in um but sometimes like you said you just know it's okay to ask these questions or you know take the professionalism not necessarily down a notch but add your own flavor to it that's really good like immediately you've already said something that you know, spoke to women because you're right. And I, I remembered something real quick. I'll tell you that you, I was speaking for the New York, like department of buildings or something. And when I got there and I was talking about communication style and exclamation points and my contact, who was a woman, she, she goes seven. And I said, what? And she goes, you put seven exclamation points in your email. (laughs) So I try, I try to be, uh, I read mine now before I send them. And if I know the person, I might do that. But if I don't, I got to back off. So do you communicate differently? Either of you, if it's um, a woman based versus whether you're sending it to like a male contact? Mm, Katie? Yeah, for me, it, so it's two things. It depends on how well I know the person, um, but also the sense that I'm getting from them over their, their email or text message communications. Um, as a coach, I always very much try to match the energy of the person I'm, I'm connecting with, whether it's, it's enthusiasm um, or a little more reservation. Um, so I, I would say it, it truthfully depends, um, more so trying to match on energy than gender. But I will say, um, I think there's, there's a little more emotional labor that goes into female or, or woman-identified communications. Uh, Tammy, like you said, um, the, the contact that you had said you, you use seven exclamation points. And from there, you start going back and rereading your emails and being like, oh, where can I add in a period or a comma so these people don't think I'm completely manic, um, which I don't know that men necessarily do. <laughs> That's really, that is really interesting. Well, we should, we should probably let you like introduce yourself a little bit because you've talked, you know, coaching, um, we have questions for you, but tell us a little bit about you and, and what it is you do. Absolutely. So um, my name is, my name is Katie O'Malley. I have my master's degree in, in counseling. I'm a career changer and went after that advanced degree um, right after I turned 30. Uh, prior to that, um, um, I had started out. I had started out my career um, in 2004 when I graduated from college uh, from Miami of Ohio. I don't know how many folks are are familiar with that university, but it's in this 
this little town called Oxford, Ohio, just north of north of Cincinnati. Uh, and I always say I majored in political science, but I minored in community and leadership development because I was very involved in campus activities, sorority and fraternity life, um, and and residence hall stuff and all that, all that good stuff. Good experiences. Um, yeah. Um, and but graduating in 2004 as a political science major, it was an election year and it was an opportunity for me to really um, use the degree that I had spent four years um, earning and studying and, and developing some kind of expertise in. And so um, was hired to work um, on one of the coordinated campaigns for John Kerry in Minnesota. Uh, and, and for me, that period of time working on the election, I I say to this day is the the hardest I ever worked in my entire life. And that was that was my very first job. Um, wow. It was just nonstop seven days a week. And it's you pouring your whole passion into something that that you believe in so much. Um, but we get to the end of the election cycle and um, there was no job for me because our candidate did not no. have a job. Um, and I realized that I couldn't spend the next seven to 10 years, <clears throat> excuse me, um, trying to get myself to a place where I could be a staffer and have health insurance and live in one place and, and put down roots because otherwise you're just, you're traveling going from campaign yeah. to campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, what I thought um, the next uh, the next uh, most likely step would be to transition into nonprofit work um, because I wanted to make big change at a systemic level. Um, and so I moved out, moved out to New York City, um, got an internship at the Children's Defense Fund in, in communications. Uh, while I was doing that, was also interviewing for full-time jobs and ended up at an organization called the Innocence Project. Uh, you might be familiar, they, they're, um, they work to get folks out of prison who have been wrongfully convicted using DNA evidence that wasn't available at the oh, time right. of their conviction. Right. So folks who went away on their blood type or false confession or false eyewitness identification um, now are able to go back into those evidence boxes and say, no, test the DNA. Um, and it was it was the most, it was so rewarding in, in so many ways. Um, I was doing fundraising and development work. So it was both for making sure that we had the money to pay for the attorneys and the DNA testing, but also um, that we were able to establish a fund for, for these um, exonerees once they were released, because these were men and women who might've entered the prison system at 16, 17, eight years, 18 years old and are coming out in their 40s to a brand new world, not necessarily connected with their families anymore, um, yeah. and needing needing help getting a new start. Um, so was was there for about two years, um, but it, Chicago is my home, and living in New York City on a nonprofit salary is is very, oh, very difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it sometimes it was the decision between. Um, do I pick up this prescription um, or I don't, name anything else, like <laughs> really right. anything else? Or do I eat? <laughs> right, right. Um, and so while I, I did have the support of friends and family, it just, um, it didn't, it, it didn't feel sustainable. 
Mm -hmm. for me. So started interviewing for jobs back in Chicago. Chicago, Illinois is, is my home. I say I'm a Midwestern girl because, you know, we also lived in, in St. Louis and then went to college in Ohio, but, but Chicago is where my family is. Yep. Uh, And so ended up applying for and getting a job at the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, also doing fundraising and development work, but with a a focus on special events. Um, While I was there, it, it started to occur to me, you know, I don't feel the sense of connection to the work um, that, that I thought I might, or that I'm having the impact that I hoped that I would. And geez, now I've done this on, on political campaigns on uh, for the Children's Defense Fund for the Innocence Project and now the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. Maybe this isn't where my gifts are and my strengths are and what, what my passion actually is. And I'm not making any money to start a family, buy a home, um, invest in my retirement. And did so it's like, I guess the sector is not for me. Yeah, Tammy, go ahead. Did you feel that, but you did feel the connection when you were on the political campaign and for the Innocence Project? Is that where you were, or was it just when you moved into the. No, so it was, there was a little bit of um, a disconnection for, um, for all of those. It's like, I know the work matters, but there's, there's something that's missing for me. Mm-hmm. And so after, after testing out those, those waters, I was like, I guess, I guess being, um, being a servant leader or being of service for, to others for my career isn't, isn't, isn't for me. Maybe commercial real estate is commercial <laughs> real estate. So wait, so that, that time period was about what, six years or so? Yeah, six, the- seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so I had a friend working in commercial real estate and she's like, give me, give me your resume. Let's, let's see what we can make happen. And Michelle and Tammy, if I had visited a career center at all during college, they would have said to me, this is the worst direction you can possibly go in for yourself, not for everybody, but, but for me. And so, um, get to get hired for, for the job, show up on my very first day. And within two, three hours, I'm like, I've made the biggest, biggest mistake of my life. Um, now I'm 27 years old. This is obviously not the biggest mistake of my life, but it sure feels that way. Um, And it was just a very, um, very competitive environment. Um, it was mm-hmm. male, male dominated with overtones and undertones of, of misogyny. And it took me, cause I'm not someone to give up or quit. Um, and it took me about three years to say, okay, I've, I've put in my time. Um, I think it's, it's time for me to go back to school and really explore what it would mean, um, to be of direct service to other folks. So, Whereas in um, on the political campaign or in the nonprofit organizations, um, it was indirect service, right? I was doing the fundraising, I was doing the get out the vote. I wasn't necessarily directly connecting with the people that were receiving the support from the from the organizations. And so I was like, maybe it's direct service um, that that I really need need to move into. And so. Uh, put in a, an application at DePaul University for their, their evening program, really designed for career changers to get my master's degree in counseling, uh, really looking to focus in on adult development, career development, and leadership development through that, that counseling niche. Um, and you had, so had, had, had already had quite a bit of experience by that time, too, yeah. so even at yeah. a young age... 
it was my good I was most most the average age of of someone in that program was 24 and I was 30 um so I did I I felt not like I had aged out of the program uh but definitely coming in with a with a bit more lived experience um I have a, a quick question before you um yeah you, please so would you say like the three years that you spent in commercial real estate um, and I know there's probably you, you gained a lot of experience, you learned a lot of things, like in hindsight, would you have stayed the three years or in, um, do you still feel like like that that was a positive? Yeah, so in hindsight, it, I want to I want to say two things um, in hindsight, probably no, it was really negatively impacting um, my my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health. Um, things that weren't really being talked about in, in the 2009, 10, 11 period, at least not, not in the way they're at the forefront of our conversations now. Mm -hmm. And so back then it, it felt like a cop out to leave because I wasn't feeling mentally well. Um, yeah. it was interesting because I was also so stuck, stuck with commercial real estate while I started my, my counseling master's degree in the evenings. And um, I was having a conversation with one of my um, peers and she said, my God, it takes so much courage for you to stay in this place um, that is negatively affecting you in this way. I would have been out in a heartbeat. And I said to her, how courageous for you to just be able to quit. Um, I, I, and it was just two very mindsets and we both viewed each other as very courageous people. And I think it was that moment. I'm like, not every choice is the right choice for everyone. Um, and it just, it felt so validating to hear that from her. And I, then I realized, yeah, it's also courageous to just move on when it's, when it's not for you. It, it sounds like, like though you had, um, like a, a, a sense of responsibility, like you were talking about health insurance and some things like that. So you wanted to follow your passion, but you also had a sense of, I also need to pay my bills and, and like have insurance. And like, did that come like from parents or? It, um, I, I think that came from me. I've always yeah. been fiercely independent. Um, and so not wanting to go to my dad or to my family to say, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to need some financial support because um, uh, for health insurance or for rent or for other things, um, my, my independence and my own, or not even independence, my hyper independence, um, got, got in the way of, of me leaving sooner and hyper independence from, from a counseling perspective often, often comes from, uh, trauma responses, right? Um, we feel like we can't rely on other folks. We have to do it all ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something I've, I've been working through in my own therapy, um, to start to let more people in to, to provide the same care and support that I provide to them. So you, you stayed, so the three years, I, I thought it was interesting that you stayed longer in that terrible place than, was that three years including when you were in your program or are you saying it was three years you were there and then you decided to to go into the, the university program? Yeah. So two and a half years that I was there. Um, and at the two and a half year mark was when I applied for, for the counseling program. And then the next six months 
working full-time with the goal um, that I would be able to obtain a graduate assistantship that would then pay my uh-huh. tuition bills and also give me a stipend. Um, so it was spring and summer that I stayed working full-time and then um, I was awarded a graduate assistantship in uh, the Student Leadership Institute at DePaul um, that allowed me to step back from and and leave that commercial real estate job to focus full-time on my studies and then taking what I was learning in the classroom and applying it immediately and directly to the students that I was working with. Um, It's interesting when you when you talk to about women and your friend who said you were courageous to not leave and you said she would be courageous to leave and I remember early on in my speaking career I met a woman who was young she was in her 20s and this has probably been 15 years ago maybe and she was crying Um, she came to talk to me at the end of the seminar and said that she had gotten her master's degree Um, she was married and she was pregnant and about to have a baby. So she was going to stay at home and her parents were just furious with her. Like you spent all this time and money to get a master's degree and now you're just going to waste it by staying at home. And it makes me think about all of the, um, cause you do career coaching and, and for women there's, we go, it's like, uh, decades of different, um, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what you're supposed to do. And you can quit and you can't quit and you should quit. And you, I mean, do you see that pressures on women to do or not do things in their career? Can you ask that question again? Do you, the women you work with, do you see those pressures on them to do or not do a career or stay with a career or leave a career that do you see different pressures still? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. The, the, the workforce was not designed to benefit women. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just uh, uh, not even decades, centuries of either starting out, we're not even supposed to be in the workforce to begin with. Right. Right. Um, And those sentiments that are carried forward today, what I'll say is um, encourage coaching is, is my private coaching practice, but I do work full time at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, um, coaching lots of women identified MBA students running a program called Booth Women Advance that help our students navigate the unique challenges they're going to face in the workplace. Mm. And the thing that these women want to talk about the most, they're um, the average age of a student in, in our programs at Chicago Booth is 28 is, oh. can I go into private equity if I want to have a child? Because if you're not working in private equity, you're not earning a salary in in private equity do i do i freeze my eggs now so i can go and start to build and establish my career um, before i get pregnant and choose to have a family what does it look like if i enter the workforce and step back am i ever going to be able to re-enter and get back in um, and so these are the really honest open conversations that we try and have as a community um, but the the answers really depend on what are um, what are the steps that companies and organizations are willing to take to really create a sense of equity um, for their their male, female, and and non-binary employees. Have you seen any difference with COVID? Oh what my gosh. <laughs> I, that 
it's probably the dumb way to ask that question, but let me let me rephrase that. What have what have you been seeing through COVID for women? For women, it's um, I mean, if if my and I don't I don't have children, um, and it's one of the things. But I am surrounded by friends and colleagues who do, um, and watching them burn the candle Gosh. at both ends constantly because at home they're they're the caretaker for the most part, right? right. Um, we're all stuck at home, and it's balancing it's balancing the expectations of work with the expectations of motherhood with the expectations of my gosh, who am I? And when do I get to invest in myself? That so many women, um, what we were seeing this spring in 2021, um, for every one man that left the workforce, seven women were leaving the workforce. Um, and the reason was this balance of childcare, being able to afford childcare, um, wanting to know that they were going to be re-entering a safe environment where if they came home, they weren't going to get their children sick or they weren't going to become sick. Um, Husband, just very, very different pressures. Yeah. Yeah. So you, who, your career is fascinating and what you've done is fascinating. Um, Tell us a little bit about, about your coaching business and what, what generic, I mean, I know you're not here coaching an individual woman, so it's hard to say, but are there some tips that you would have for our women listening? Um, and of course we'll, we'll promote your coaching business because you do virtual as well. Yeah, oh, virtual. Yeah. That's, that's what people are loving right now is, is the virtual. I have clients out in Oregon, Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, Denver, even though I'm, I'm based in Chicago. Um, yeah, we, we, we can be of service to anyone. I had a client out in the, in the UK too, at the start of the pandemic. So oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, t- tell us about that, that service and maybe just a few tips you can give to uh, get these women to say, Hey, I need to reach out to Katie. You know, I need her yeah. help because you're, yeah. you're fascinating. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so what I'll, what I'll say is, uh, having worked at DePaul University, University of Texas at Austin, and now the Chicago Booth School of Business, one of the things that um, occurred to me is that these wonderful career and leadership development programs, um, the coaching um, really tends to be accessible to folks at exceptional universities or folks who are on a C-suite path or track. Um, And what was so upsetting to me as as someone who is very service oriented is why do folks who are already um, (laughs) on the track for these jobs and careers that they want and leadership roles are the only ones able to access them? What about the people with so much untapped, undiscovered potential that for one reason or another, um, aren't able to, to find or afford these services. So, um, as soon as I got my board certified coach credential in February, 2018, I was like, I, I want encourage coaching to be the place where everyone, um, regardless of where they stand in the organization, what level of education that they've had, um, what their, what their identity factors are in terms of how they, they identify in terms of race, ethnicity, gender, um, socioeconomic status, they have a place they can come and get 
top of the line elite services um, in the same way that these other folks have. And so that's how Encourage Coaching came to be. Um, and really focusing in on career development, leadership development, and then small business owners who are exceptional in the, the fields that they're in. Um, I think about orthodontists and restaurateurs who are brilliant in what they do, but really struggle to motivate their teams, um, struggle to create an organizational culture where people want to stay. And so those are the three main, three main buckets of, of clients that I see. Um, and we do we do all sorts of things um, ranging from we do all sorts of things and the the one thing every client does with me um, is self awareness building we usually spend the first four to five sessions really trying to both understand um, who you are and how you move through the world, but why that makes you exceptional, why that makes you unique, um, why that differentiates you from other candidates and leaders and how you can communicate that value, whether it's to um, whether it's to a prospective employer or to someone to someone on your team or a customer or a client or whomever it is. Um, and so there's a lot of time spent there. That is so important too, especially for women, because we're so prone to doing the comparison thing. And so knowing when you said knowing who you are and how you move through the world, it's so easy if you were on a path and you're trying to get to a particular position or a particular place in your life. And then you look at other women who are doing it, what you might consider better or, and then it's, it's hard to just really be self-aware as to how awesome that you are just because you're not her or him or whatever. So I bet that does take up quite a bit. It, it does take time. Foundational. Yeah, we live in, in a culture or society, I feel that is very deficit minded. It's not look at what you do have. It very much constantly pushes us to look at what we don't have. So one of the things that I always say when we start coaching um, is I'm not here to diagnose you. I'm not here to pathologize you. I am not here to tell you about all the ways you are lacking. What we are here to do together is figure out what are the things that make you awesome, that differentiate you, and then how are you going to communicate that story to other people? So there's there's none of the, let's figure out how your mother is responsible for this in your life? Oh, no. So, so the, the, here's the deal. Um, backgrounds in counseling. Um, I'm getting ready to sit for um, my licensed professional uh, counselor credential, but coaching okay. and, and therapy are two very different things. So one of what's so interesting is um, right about 85% of my clients are actually referred to me from therapists. Um, and the reason for that is from what I've learned, um, therapists tend to be a bit wary of coaches because anyone can call themselves a coach. Well, that's, um, and I'm glad you're, because Michelle, that was a, a question we had earlier was, and we probably have about five minutes to kind of wrap up, but you know, what is, what is coaching these days? And that's yeah. kind of what you're addressing. Yeah. And it's, um, so I believe therapists that, that send clients my way, um, one really appreciate, I have the same training and background as they do. So, so the skill sets, the same, the, the goals are similar. Um, but they also know that I understand the bright line between 
a therapeutic relationship and a coaching relationship. So in therapy, um, a lot of the work and time spent in therapy, depending on the orientation that, that the therapist is coming from, but a lot of the time um, it's spent trying to identify and unpack um, all of the things that made you who you are today. Um, and from my perspective and the way I coach, I wanna honor all of that, but we're not unpacking it in coaching. So I say, bring everything you got to the table. Who we are is how we work, it's how we lead, it's how we love, it's how we parent. That comes from Dr. Brene Brown um, oh. in, yeah. informs so much of the work that I do. And I wanna hear it all. However, um, we're always gonna use that information as a springboard forward, not as, as a way to, to look back. And so I do share sometimes, you know, with a client who will bring something in, thank you so much for telling me that. I really think this is something that you could benefit talking to your therapist about and bring it back to her. Um, and so there also becomes that trust between me and the, the therapist community in them knowing, oh, my, my client said, Katie, the coach won't talk to me about this, but I should talk to you about it, um, making sure that I know my path and my lane. That's really, that's amazing. And I, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this, that, you know, there are some negative connotations and some jokes like on sitcoms and Saturday Night Live skits about life coaches. And okay. it's been a long time since I've ha had a conversation of this type with a life coach, but you, you are solid, you know, oh, thank like, you. So, I mean, what, if you, I don't know if, if you were prepared to do this, but just in our last few minutes together, if there's a woman, you know, which I'm sure there is a woman listening who might be struggling with, let's just kind of focus on a career right now. You know, they don't know their place. Um, of course, we'll put your information in the show notes, but do you have any just quick foundational tips of resources you can guide them to, or maybe just a place to start? Yeah, so uh, one of one of my favorite um, resources that's that's out there right now is the leanin.org website. Um, it is, is that Cheryl Sandberg. It's a partnership between okay. Cheryl Sandberg um, and and McKinsey and Co. Uh, the the well known consulting firm. Um, they have resources on identifying bias, challenging bias in the workplace negotiating a raise, negotiating a promotion. It is all exceptionally solid stuff that I use with my clients, but also my students at Chicago Booth. Um, so for women who are in the workplace and struggling to um, make the moves that they wanna make and be seen in the ways they wanna be seen, I think that is, that is a great place to start. Um, the, the other piece um, is starting to undo and unlearn all of the narratives we've been told about ourselves as women in the work, workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that, I, it, it's hard. I would say um, a lot of it is unlearning, being told what you are and are not capable of, the type of leader you are, um, aren't, or being told that you can never be a leader, which is not uncommon for, for women to hear. Um, the, the place that I would really love to see women focusing in on, again, um, coming from a strengths-based perspective, what makes me unique, what differentiates me, and how am I able to communicate that? Um, what I'll say is 
I struggle as, as a coach to do it for myself and on my own. I have my own coach actually helping me with that Brilliant. right now. Um, and it may take working with someone else, um, whether it's, whether it's a coach, whether it's a therapist, they, they can be very good in doing this identity work with you. Um, but it takes work to deprogram all of the messages that we've received about ourselves as women over the course of our whole life. Um, and that deprogramming and building of self-awareness is going to be the very first step to getting you to where you want to go. That is, that is so fantastic. I, um, and I to know like that you're not alone. Like, yes, I'm, I'm responding and, and sharing this. You asked the question, Tammy, which means you are not alone. <laughs> this is something that all women experience and the, the data and the evidence-based research shows that oftentimes women will not speak up because they think they're the only one having this particular problem in the workplace. And that's one more complaint coming from them. Nobody likes a complainer. The truth is we're all experiencing it. And so I don't want to say, no, you're in good company, but know that, that you're not alone and find those people in your workplace um, that, that you can start building allyships with. Yes. What a world-changing thing, like to have that self um, identity self-awareness. I mean, I can see where it'd be completely world-changing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've made great progress as women, right? But we still have, we still have a ways to go. So. We do. We do. Well, I feel like, I feel like we need to have you on again. I would love that. If you'd love to have me back, I'd love to come back and continue this conversation or others. Yeah. I mean, you, we didn't know a whole lot except, you know, your website and some things that were sent to us. So that i that was fascinating. Michelle, are you good? Oh yeah. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for spending part of this morning with me. I don't, I'm not even sure where are you two right now? Cause it's really windy and starting to snow in Chicago. Uh, where I'm North of Nashville. Okay. I'm South of Nashville. Okay. So yep. slightly warmer. <laughs> is slightly we're, we had some tornadoes pass through. Yeah, we have yeah. very, I mean, every place says they have strange weather, but yeah, we, and tonight it's going to be what, 20 degrees. So it's been a, Holy cow. it's okay. been a, yeah, it's been crazy. Well, it's enjoy been a, a rough start to winter is what yes. I'm hearing. Yes. But enjoy your snow. And Katie, if you don't mind, send me um, maybe links to like the lean in project and your coaching business and anything that you would like for our sweet ladies to see. Um, and I'll put all that in the show notes and you all know, go to TammyWest.com for the show notes. Um, Michelle's practice link will also be there. Everything about Katie will be there. Um, thank you so much for growing our community, for sharing with this, this with your friends. Make sure if you're not part of our Facebook group, you know that that link is always in there. And Katie, what we do at the end, if you've listened before, we say, and until next time, consider yourself hugged. And it's always awful. So um, let's see what happens today. Are you all ready? Yes. Ready. Okay. Until next time, consider yourself hugged. Katie actually did like the, the she hugged herself. You're amazing. Thank you so, so much.